0: No purchase necessary. Voight were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On the screen to make sure that what I was going to do today. I say that, but I already know. Um, I'd like to welcome everyone here today. It's a beautiful day. As someone was telling me this just this morning, it's been a wonderful winter in Arizona. And I must agree. It's different. It's been... Uh, cool and wet and mostly cool and I think that's good for a change I have a scripture I want to share with you it isn't really something we're going to go through verse by verse concerning this message but it's something I want you to hear and I want to encourage you to read it this week read it two or three times um one of my favorite passages the Apostle Paul when he wrote a letter to the church in Philippi he wanted to tell them something about Jesus again and you know we can't hear it enough but within these just few verses here um, we learn a lot about Jesus and if we keep reading it we're going to understand we really learn about Jesus and some of the other things that we've heard maybe really weren't, be, weren't re- very true or very accurate or even complete. But he says here in the second chapter, first verse, if there is therefore any exhortation in Christ if any consolation of love, if any fellowship in spirit if any tender mercies and compassions make full my joy that you be of the same mind having the same love being of one accord of one mind doing nothing through faction or through vain glory but in lowliness of mind each counting others better than himself not looking each to each of you to his own things, but each of you also to the things of others. Having this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existed in the form of God, counted not the being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of, of a bondservant being made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, yea, the death of the cross. Wherefore, also God has highly exalted him and gave unto him the name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I say read that over and over again and and understand to start with Paul tells folks there, how they should be living, the kind of people they should be. Uh, and uh, well, the things that he said there are not easy to do. But he's encouraging them to do so. And then after he, he says all those things, he says, this was the mind of Christ. So do we want to be like Jesus, you know? What would Jesus do? All the things, that slogans we've come up with. we want to be like him, we need to be like that passage says. If we want to know who he is, we have to read about who he was before the foundation of the world, before the creation, who he was and who he became as the child in the manger, the baby born under the promise to the Jews of a Messiah. man, Jesus of Nazareth. And so he did those things that required of his father to bring salvation into the world. So thinking about that, I thought, and I've I've used this because this is a message that um, uh, I've used before, But I have to keep updating it as I become wiser. And it's the four F's. So I think that believers in Jesus Christ, um, those that have called him as their savior, are constantly challenged to be better and better as Christians and soldiers of the cross. So as we come to terms or an understanding of what the true cost of our salvation has been, I think it should motivate us to be a better servant, a better helper, a better worker for the Lord and for our Father in heaven. And I think today, as we look at these four words, kind of explore them just a little bit, it should help us to understand these things and uh, get a little better foundation for them. Four things. There, and to start with is being firm. Secondly, faithful. Thirdly, fervent. And lastly, if you're doing the first three, you're going to be fruitful. That's the progression. You're not going to be able to start with being fruitful, not unless you get these other things right. Now, firm, firm. What? Is it just well, I'm saying firm in the faith, because that's my topic. Being a Christian, firm in the faith, firm in our faith, unmoving in these things. Now, there's two kinds of faith that's presented to us in the grammar of the New Testament. The most important one would be uh, the one that people never notice until they actually get into it, and that would be the faith. I just found a sheet that was made by uh, one of my uh, uh, mentors years ago listing all of the passages in the Bible uh, in the New Testament, rather, not the Bible, uh, that the uh, the word the in front of faith, the, the definite article the in front of faith is used. Uh, and many of them have been taken out of our English Bibles. Not all of them, but many of them. Which causes real problems because the faith is all the whole of Christian doctrine and all about what we know is salvation in Christ and faith in general towards God, towards his son. You know, I was just reading today or just mentioning today that in John chapter 11, Jesus made a statement there that said, if you believe in me, you will never die. That was said 2,000 years ago and yet people are still worried about dying. (laughs) Christian people. Why? Because they don't understand what he said, and they certainly don't understand what he meant by dying. But that's the faith. That's part of the faith. The other faith is, of course, your personal faith. You need that. You need that faith to be grounded in the faith. Firmness of the faith is necessary to persevere in the face of troubles. And you know what? We need that same faith to get through those wonderful times in life when everything's going our way. Because if you want to be driven off the the right path, just live in that place for a while. You start to forget everything else. So you need that same faith no matter what's going on in your life. Firm and unbending, as it would be, and solid in the truth of Christ and his church, but never closed-minded, never unable to learn anymore, never stubborn. Is anybody stubborn here? No. Well... yeah I was going to say a bunch of arms must be broken here today No, you see what I mean by that we can be firm without being stubborn can't we now I used to say that um, that what I say I'm right so I have great confidence in it and And all of those different things, you know, you can really build quite a thing around that. But to be firm in your faith is to have it be your foundation. It's your foundation. So that's what you build on, don't we? We build on foundations. Something solid, the rock. If your faith wavers, then your whole house crumbles. Everything else in your life starts to let go. That's what happens. There's been plenty of people that's went through that and could tell you how it is. An example of firm in the faith, there's a couple examples. Acts 16. We'll look at Acts 16, verses 4 and 5. Now, of course, this is Um, considering the things happening in the days of the early church. Well, Acts Acts 16, that's where we were today in Bible study, but not not here. Um, Verses 4 and 5, speaking of those that were out preaching. But we will continue steadfast in prayer and in the ministry of the word. And, whoops, Acts 16, I said, not 6. I keep on going back to where I was. Acts 16, verse 4. And as they went on their way, that is, the apostle Paul and those with him, through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep which had been ordained of the apostles and elders that were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now those verses are important because first off, it gives us the part of our foundation in the faith is what the apostles were teaching what they brought to the world, what they, how they established the church. The Lord's church was established by the apostles having the very mind of Christ. So the things that they had set in order, ordained as it says here, those are the things of the faith. And because of that, the church grew daily in number. Truth has a way of Uh, of doing that then if we go to Jude uh, the third verse we should have this one memorized but Jude writes here beloved while I was giving all diligence to write unto you of our common salvation I was constrained to write unto you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered unto the saints. The faith. Same faith. The faith that the apostles taught, the gospel, and all that there is about God's work in the world of men to bring salvation into it. That's the faith. And we have our faith rooted and grounded in that faith. Remember, we are not if, if we are not firm, uh, we really compromise ourselves when the issue to the issue of faith but, but on the other hand, that firmness is not belligerent. It doesn't make us hard to get along with. close-minded or even just mean. No, we are firm in our faith and in the faith that the apostles taught so well. Because why? Well, it brings honor, of course, to that one that is the author of faith, and that's Jesus himself. And we honor the Lord Jesus Christ for what he did. We honor his Father in heaven. That's how it works. That's always how it is. When we dishonor the Lord, we dishonor his Father. And when we do these things even in our day-to-day life that bring dishonor, these things have a way of going to where we wouldn't like them to be known. So be firm. Be firm in these things, in the faith. You can stand on the faith. You can stand on God's truth, because regardless of what the world says, and if you want evidence of it, read history. You'll find that what God said is true. Matter of fact, he told us many times of things that were going to happen many, many hundreds of years before that became true, that were true. What he has said is always truth. I believe Jesus said once, Father, your word is truth. I believe it. I can stand on that. Be firm and then be faithful in life. Just believing in right is not enough. Takes more than just believing in it. What are you going to do with it? Because if you really believe it, it means you're involved. Somehow you're involved. It's going to become obvious either that it's not very important or it's very important. We need to live according to the will of God. That's how we show that our belief certainly is right and we, we approach it that way. And where is his will revealed? Only in the Bible. You know, we take a risk every time we write a book about something in the Bible that we're going to get something in there wrong. And a lot of people think about that that write those books. And you almost want to qualify it in the first page. Oh, by the way, I might make a mistake here. And some even say, please let me know where it's at. Okay? But a lot of times we just want We want to put that on paper. We want to do this, and I understand that. But God's word and the power of God in this world is in the word of God itself. If you're looking for something else, you're going to be disappointed. We are to walk worthy of our Christian calling, If you want to read about that, in Ephesians chapter 4, the first three verses talks about the apostle says, this is how we walk. This is how we prove our calling, that we are um, indeed uh, the kind of person that deserves a calling such as this. I don't mean a kidnapping. That's not what I mean by calling. A calling means that you heard the word of God and you're drawn to it. And now you live by it. Christ Jesus purchased the church with his blood. We know that. Our walk as a member of that church must reflect the nature of Christ. When we become Christians, we become more like Jesus and less like the world. Our nature is the nature of Christ instead of the nature of or the aspect of the world. And so we bring that great honor into the body of the church, which is the Lord Himself. And we call it the assembly, where we meet together in small groups all over. That's the assemblies of Christ, assemblies of God. So faithfulness is devotion. It looks like devotion. It acts like devotion. It's a better word than devotion even. Devotion actually uh, uh, reflects onto faithfulness. Also, it's, it's being loyal. It's being conformed to those things that are true of God. And above all and through all of it, is, it's done in a loving way. So Jesus can expect, well, actually, he can accept no one, no one's offer of love without loyalty and devotion and faithfulness of life. So just to say you love God and then live as you please really is an empty statement. To say you believe in Jesus and then accept every whim of man-made doctrine that comes your way blowing in with the wind that's not loyalty to Christ we remember Acts chapter 1 remember when Jesus sent the apostles into the world so who, who, who do we listen to concerning the things of faith Do we listen to the apostles or do we listen to somebody that wrote a book or in some building somewhere? So when we're preaching, we're preaching the apostles' doctrine. And we must be very careful that that's what we're doing. So, brethren, be firm, be faithful, and that usually leads to being fervent in spirit if you will. In other words, the spirit of fervent, uh, being fervent. Um, I guess the word re- means being stretched out. Fervent, fervent attitude means it's a real body language uh, that you see in people. A Christian is one who has formerly been a human being that was dead in sin, in their own sins. But now in Christ, they've been made alive. That's what Romans chapter 6 talks about. They've been made alive in Christ. Why? In obedience to the gospel and being uh, uh, believing the word of God, confessing it before others that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God of being baptized where we are uh, brought into the family of God. We are illustrating the burial of Christ in our baptism, so it's figurative in that way. But that's the point where we receive forgiveness of sins and we contact the blood of Christ. That's his way. It wouldn't have been my way. I could have devised a much more uh, difficult program you know, where you had to do a lot of this and a lot of that. So we, we see that model all over the world. It takes people, I mean, they're climbing stairs on their knee, uh, uncovered knees on broken glass. That's a lot worse and a lot more painful. But that's how men do things. But God hasn't done it that way. God sent the apostles to preach the gospel of Christ to people, telling him exactly what God requires to accept his terms of pardon and be forgiven and live in Christ. So, in that fervency, I think we should look like we're on fire for God and the gospel. Not lifeless or cold or even lukewarm. But you know, the worries, the concerns of the world wear down the very best of God's people. Sometimes we take our eye off of it just a little, but we need to know that we come back. And that fervent spirit will help us. We should be fervent in spirit as we serve the Lord residing in the church that bears his name. You know, the Bible in that same Ephesians chapter four, right after the first three verses, it goes into a few more that talks about the oneness of the church. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, you know, there's the oneness. There's one God, one God. Boy, isn't there a lot more gods than that in the world of Christendom? There is. But the Bible teaches one God, and on and on it goes. So let's keep our our firmness, our faithfulness, and our and and our fervent ways grounded in God's word and nowhere else. Then we can share it with others. Romans uh, twelve eleven says, uh, in part, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, this fervency will show forth in many, many different ways. It's certainly going to show forth in our day-to-day lives. uh, The words we speak, the things that we do. It's going to show in our zeal for good works, as it says in Timothy 2.14, a zeal. In other words, doing things that people notice that you really want to do them. Also, in, in every aspect of uh, the things that we do day to day, and these things are observable. They're observable. People will observe these things. Uh, I never forget uh, years ago, I don't know who coined the phrase, but people, some people would say that you may be the only Bible that someone ever reads. I think that's true. And then hopefully you can tell them why it is you are the kind of person you are, and they can read the Bible for themselves. But isn't that true? I think that's very true. It's hard to believe how much we are influenced and led by other people in our life. Um, Many years ago, more than 50 years ago, when I was in the service, I noticed that people with real uh, distinctive uh, speech patterns and accents, if other people were around them for a while, they started to speak like they did. And I just couldn't believe it. Uh, But that's exactly true. Now, that's a small thing, kind of, isn't it? But you knew, you know, people, they just exude this. I think Christians have the same opportunity, don't you? To do the very same thing. I know it's true. So. Be firm, be faithful, be fervent, and as I said before, you will be fruitful in service. A Christian who is steadfast, is immovable, and abounding always in the works of the Lord will find his or her labor is not in vain. Um, there's a good passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that says what I just said much better. Chapter 15 and verse 58, the Apostle Paul, of course, writing to the church, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, For as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. Or void. Some of your Bibles might say void or vain. Not vain. Not void. That's what it is. And it's true. Our firmness, our faithfulness, our fervency will bring us to fruitful service in the assembly and in the kingdom of Christ. Some spend years thinking that I have witnessed for myself. Some spend years thinking that they have nothing to offer the church that they have nothing to offer the work of God in this world because they feel they have no talents or no gifts. Well, I suggest you start with the, with the four Fs that I've been talking about today. That, that'll get you to seeing and recognizing your gifts and talents because I agree with what David said about this. We all have talent that God has given us through creation. And to use that to the fullness in the Lord's body is a wonderful thing to have and a wonderful thing to see. And I've seen people that do just that. They've discovered it. They use it. And it's a blessing for everyone. Um, there is a passage that I think kind of speaks well of this in Second uh, Peter, the first chapter, starting with about verse five. Now the Apostle Peter here is saying to the to the readers of this letter, "Yea, and for this very cause, adding on your part all diligence." Now he's going to have a list of things here that he wants people to to do and to be. Diligence. In your faith, supply virtue. In your virtue, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, patience. And in your patience, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, they will make you to be not idle nor unfruitful unto the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he that lacketh these things is blind, seeing only what is near, having forgotten the cleansing from his old sins. That's a wonderful list. You need to read that list over and over again too. Let me remind you of one of the things that uh, Jesus promised to his apostles and they brought it to the church to understand. And he said this to them in, uh, uh, I believe, John chapter 15. Have you ever heard of the the chapter, uh, I am the vine, Jesus, I am the vine. The first 10 verses, actually, it's even longer. But the idea here is if we abide in him, if we live in Christ, we will be fruitful branches. You see, it's when we pull away, it's when we pull away just like a plant. You've seen trees and other plants. When they pull away or become severed or injured or or, uh, lack anything that they need to grow, They wither and die. But if we abide in him, we will be fruitful branches. How can we be fruitful if we are not constantly abiding in the things of God? I think it's silly to even think that we have any way of surviving in, in a good state with God, our creator, if we pull away at all, if we allow, or if we're looking to be fed by some other source, it all works together, doesn't it? God uses these natural things to paint a word picture that's undeniable. We know that. It's a wonderful chapter just to read. He was speaking to his apostles. How do we know when we're all of these things? Firm and faithful and fervent and fruitful. I'll tell you how we know. We know when it's, when it's ours in, in our heart. When we do the Lord's will because we want to do the Lord's will. If you're a church person, when you want, want to come and fellowship at the table, partake of the communion because you want to be there. Then, you're drawing close to God. How many other ways? Why you could write a book on it. The thing that we need to understand is that when these things start leaving our life or are not part of our life, we can't say that we're close to God. We can't say that we're a fruitful person. We we still might want to be. So it's a real struggle. And, you know, it's much easier when we do it with the help of others. The help of our brethren. Why would would the Lord want his people to congregate in small groups all over if it wasn't for a beneficial thing for them? It is. It's it's been my experience and the experience of many others that that's exactly what happens. Uh, So the idea is not to congregate in a small group and then make sure you have more and more and then pretty soon there's a whole other purpose for your, your being there. That's too far, you see. You don't have to do that. Don't take it beyond what the Lord has required. All right? If you don't know the people, if there's a few thousand folks you, you never know because you don't sit on that side of the building, you're not going to be much help to them and they're not going to be able to do much for you. You start it small, and things happen the way they should happen, the Lord's way. Our way is to build a big company. God's way is to be firm, faithful, fervent, and fruitful. Let us sing our closing song. plus